listening to the Good News in the Dark World podcast. Join us as we study God's Word and discover Jesus on every page. Here's Pastor Kevin. Please take your Bibles and turn to the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. Uh, We will be reading verses 6 through 21 in just a moment. Revelation 22. Geoffrey Chaucer was a uh, 14th century uh, English poet who is perhaps best known for writing the Canterbury Tales. And uh, perhaps Geoffrey Chaucer's most famous quote is, all good things must come to an end. And that's true this morning. Um, Today we come to the, the 36th and final sermon of a study that we began almost uh, exactly one year ago. Uh, This is, from my own personal perspective, this is probably my favorite sermon series I've ever preached. Um, This book, which so many people see as confusing and perplexing and just really hard to understand it is given to us for our comfort. It's given to us for our encouragement. It's given to us so that we might, we might keep our eyes on the big picture. And that's hard to do at times. But that's the benefit of this book. And that's what we certainly see in our passage this morning. So Revelation 22 Uh, beginning at verse 6. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evil do or still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the gate, the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, 
Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. While I was on vacation, I, I started watching a, a documentary on Amazon called Coach Prime. Coach Prime is uh, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is a, a, a Hall of Fame football player, former Major League Baseball player, uh, currently is the head coach, head football coach at the University of Colorado. Uh, before coaching at Colorado, Sanders was the head coach at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. And the, the Amazon documentary chronicles his time at Jackson State. Uh, part of the documentary, the, the kind of the beginning of the documentary, focuses on some of the health issues that Deion Sanders has dealt with over the last few years. In uh, 2021, he had had um, uh, blood clots in his left leg that led in 2021 uh, to the amputation of some of his toes. And it got so bad that in 2022, they talked about having to, to possibly amputate his entire leg. And when they asked Sanders about this, when they said to him, you know, what was, what was going through your mind when you, when you lost some toes, when you, when you heard the very real possibility that your leg may be amputated? When they asked him that question, Deion Sanders quoted the words of Jesus from John 16. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Sanders is a, a professing Christian, and he was making the point that, that in this life, we, we know that it's not always going to be easy. And that's true. There's not one of us in this room this morning who hasn't faced some kind of trouble or tribulation in our lives. There's not one of us here right now who can say, you know what? I've never had any trouble. My entire life has been free from all difficulty. If we passed around a, a wireless microphone this morning and we asked the question, what is troubling you right now? All of us would have something that we could say. And this is why the book of Revelation is so important. Revelation is not designed to confuse us. Revelation is not designed to scare us or to stress us out. Revelation is designed to encourage us, to, to comfort us, to strengthen us as our, in our calling as Christians, that, that we live with a certain hope that one day there will be no more trouble. One day there will be no more tribulation. We want to see two things in our passage this morning. First of all, Jesus is coming soon. Now, I'm not here to give you a date, so if you're thinking that, that's not what we're doing. Jesus is coming soon. He even says that himself. Secondly, the second point of this passage is, in a sense, the, the practical application for you. And the second point is that Jesus' soon coming should affect our lives. It should affect the way that we live. Now, before we get into the specifics of this passage, it's important that you take note of what is said in verse 6. And he said to me, in other words, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. We have to remember that this isn't just someone's opinion. 
The, the Bible is not just a collection of opinions. This isn't something that, you know, might or might not be true. This isn't something that, that, that John came up with when he was sitting on Patmos and maybe he hadn't had enough to drink that day and he was hallucinating. This is the very word of God. These words are trustworthy and true. In other words, you can, you can take these to the bank. You can count on these words. These words can be trusted. We, we live in a world where we can't often trust what people are saying. We can't trust the media. We can't trust our politicians. There's a lot of places we can't trust what people are saying to us. That's not one of these places. The word of God is trustworthy and true. And so the first thing that we are told in this passage is the Bible ends. Jesus is coming soon. You may have noticed as I read this passage, three different times Jesus says the same thing. I am coming soon. Verse 7, verse 12, verse 20. I am coming soon. Children, did you know that, that this is a repeated emphasis in the book of Revelation? Chapter 1, verse 7 Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus says, I am coming soon. If you have your Bible open, turn back to chapter 19 and notice verse 11. Chapter 19, verse 11. By the way, pastors love to hear Bible pages turning. We were, we were in another church last Sunday, and as the pastor was preaching... Um, he was asking us to turn to other passages, and, and you could hear Bible pages turning. And, and it's great to hear that here. We, you might have your phone, and so I can't hear you swiping, but it's great to hear Bible pages turning. Look at chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty." Brothers and sisters, this is one of the great themes of this book. This is one of the driving points of this book. Jesus is coming. Children, you know what Christmas is all about, right? Every December, we, we remember and we celebrate the fact that, that Jesus took on human flesh. He took on true humanity and he came to this earth. He lived on this planet. He breathed the air that we breathe. He ate food. He drank. He slept. He cried. Well, one day he's going to come back. Now, we don't know when that day is going to be. It, it might be while we're still living. It might be a thousand years from now. We don't know. But Revelation keeps telling us and keeps hammering home to us he's coming. He's coming. Now, now, why would this need to be repeated so often? Why do we need to hear this? 
Why do you need to hear this? Why do I need to hear this again and again and again? Maybe at some point in your life, um, you had someone who just kept saying the same thing to you over and over and over. And you, you probably thought in your mind, I, I heard you the first 10 times you said it. I had a teacher in, in junior high who constantly would, would say to us as a class, keep your eyes up here, keep your eyes up here. Now that says something about our class that we probably weren't paying attention very well, but, but she kept saying it over and over. Why do we need to keep hearing about Jesus's future return? I think there's two primary reasons. First of all, to encourage us in the midst of our suffering. To encourage us in the midst of our suffering. Look, you, you know what it's like when you suffer. You, you know how it is when you're going through a, a, a really difficult time in your life. It's all you can think about. It, it consumes you in a sense. The present, the, the here and now, the trial. Remember, the, the original audience of this book were, were Christians who were suffering. I mean suffering immensely for their faith. You and I probably have a hard time even really grasping what they went through. Imagine, you know, imagine losing your job because you're a Christian. Imagine your boss calling you into the office and saying, you know what, we're, we're letting you go because you're a Christian. Imagine your, your family saying to you, get out of here. We want nothing to do with you. Don't ever come back. We don't ever want to see your face again because you're a Christian. Imagine being threatened with prison and death because you're a Christian. That's the kind of stuff that, that these, these believers were going through. And, and yet to them, it's as if Jesus is saying, I, I know that you're suffering. I know everything that you're going through. But, but don't forget, I'm coming one day. Don't forget what awaits you. They, they might take your job and they might take your house and they might take your life. But I'm coming to take you to a better life. Do you remember Jim Elliott? Maybe you've heard that name before. Uh, Jim Elliott was a missionary in 1950. Jim Elliott believed that the Lord was calling him to the mission field. And, and he narrowed it down to two places he was going to go. Either Italy or Ecuador. And most of us would probably pick Italy, right? Let's go to Venice, be a missionary there. He picked Ecuador. He made the decision that he would be a missionary to Ecuador. Specifically, he would go to evangelize the Aka Indians, which were a, 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 an incredibly violent group of people. Extremely dangerous to any outsiders. But that's where Elliot went because he believed the Lord was calling him there. And he and four other men went there to Ecuador. And, and as many of you know, um, Jim Elliot was killed there with those four other men by 10 Horani warriors on January 8th, 1956. Put him to death. Jim Elliott kept a diary. And in his diary on October the 28th, 1949, he wrote these famous words. Maybe you've heard them before. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You can't keep your life. You won't live one second longer than the Lord wants you to live. So why not give what you cannot keep your life? Why not give your life, Jim Elliott was saying, for, for something worthwhile, even if you are killed for it, knowing that you have something, namely eternal life, that you cannot lose. That's what Revelation wants to remind us. They might take your life. They might take your job. They might take your freedom. They might take your family. You might lose it all. But they can't separate you from God's love. And they can't take you. They can't take you away from your Savior. And they cannot take away the eternal life that he has earned for you. And so we hear this, this constant repetition. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to aid us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our burdens, in the midst of our difficulties. Brothers and sisters, this isn't it for us. Something better is coming. But I think there's a second reason for this repetition. And that is that it's designed to awaken us to the reality of the day of judgment. It's designed to, to make us realize, to wake us up that a day of judgment is coming. Matthew chapter 25, you remember what Jesus says. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when I come in my glory, Jesus says, and all the angels with me, I will sit on my glorious throne before me will be gathered all the nations and I will separate people from one another as the shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Daniel 12 speaks of the same event. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. Now, I don't know if this is, if this is true for you. But, but it's certainly true for me that, that, that even as a Christian, isn't it easy to, to fall into the trap of only thinking about this life? Only thinking about life in the here and now. We, we think about our plans for the day. We think about our plans for the week. We think about our kids' schedules and all the activities they have. We, we put our, our, our vacations on the calendar. We plan for retirement. But there's an eternity that is coming. And the Bible is very intentional in driving that point home. And as the Bible ends, three times Jesus says, I am coming soon. Now the unbeliever doesn't believe this. The unbeliever, in a sense, laughs at this. If you have your Bible, go back to 2 Peter chapter 3 for just a moment. Just a few books to the left. 2 Peter chapter 3. And notice verse 1. 2 Peter 3, 1. 
Peter says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, notice, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The unbeliever laughs at the idea of a judgment day. According to Peter and, and according to our own experience, perhaps with, with unbelievers, the unbeliever says, come on, you don't really believe that, do you? Life is, is just, it just keeps going on and on. But brothers and sisters, that day is coming. We, we saw this earlier in Revelation, way, way back at kind of the beginning of this book, that, that all throughout history, trumpets have been blowing, warning us and telling us judgment is coming. And it tells us this so that our lives would be changed. It tells us this so that it would have an effect on how we live our lives in this world. And that's the second thing that we see in this passage. Jesus' soon coming should affect our lives. What kind of impact should the future return of Christ have on you this week? What impact should the future return of Christ have on your life right now? Well, our, our text tells us four things. First of all, we must recognize that there will not be a second chance. When that day comes, there will not be a second chance. Look at verse 11. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Now, that might sound kind of strange to you, right? Especially the first part of that verse. Instead of saying what it says, we, we think it should say something like this. Let the evil doer stop doing evil. Let the filthy stop being filthy. I mean, that's basically what we read elsewhere in Scripture. Isaiah 55, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. And so here we, we would expect something similar, but... Instead of saying, stop sinning, put sin to death, it says, let the evildoer still do evil. I think it says it this way to drive home the point that when Jesus comes back, no one's going to get a second chance. No one's going to be able to say to Jesus, you know what, Jesus, I think I've changed my mind. I do believe in you. I, I do receive you as my Lord and my Savior. No, when Jesus returns or when you die, 
your eternal residence is settled. This, this idea that, that you know, you're going to go to purgatory for a while and you're going to burn off your sins. This idea that you're going to have another opportunity after this life to deal with the state of your soul. That's found nowhere in the Bible. Instead, we read in Hebrews chapter 9, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. No second chances. If you've ever played golf before, um, one of the greatest things that your playing partners can offer to you is a mulligan. Mulligan is, is basically a do-over. You get up on the tee and you, you hit your shot about, you know, 40 feet in front of you or you send it screaming into some house and um, someone playing with you says to you, that's okay, take a mulligan. In other words, you know, hit another one. The first one doesn't even count. I think a lot of people think that way about eternity. I think there are a lot of people who think that God is going to say to them, let me give you a mulligan. Here's another chance. Now do you believe in me? No, if you die in unbelief, if you die not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go, the Bible says, to the place of eternal torment. And if you die in Christ, if you die knowing that he washed away your sins, if you die embracing him as Lord and Savior, you will go to the place of eternal joy. And so that's the first thing that we need to remember about the return of Jesus. When he comes back, there won't be a second chance. That's why it's imperative that, that you deal right now with your soul and where you are at with Christ. Secondly, second thing, we must come to Christ. Look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Embrace Christ as Lord and Savior. Receive Christ. Believe in Christ. Rest in Christ. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for anyone apart from Christ. Come, the Bible says, let the one who is thirsty come. Sounds very similar to what we heard in our call to worship in Isaiah 55. Come and drink so that you may live. Experts um, say that, that the average person can go without water for about 100 hours. And, and at that point, if, if you've gone that long without water, if you don't get water, you're going to die a, a slow and, and painful death. So you can see why the, why the Bible would liken uh, the gospel to water. Without the gospel, you will die. Without Jesus, you will die. We all have this, this, this deep thirst within us. We all have this longing for, for meaning and for purpose. And we try 
We try so many different things to quench that thirst, to satisfy that longing. Some people try to find it in their occupation. Some people try to find it in their hobbies or their possessions. Some people try to find it in power or influence. There, there are all kinds of different things that people try to use to quench that deep, deep thirst. But none of them work. None of them satisfy you. They just, they, they, they leave you wanting more. And the Bible tells us, and, and we know this as Christians, we know this from our own experience, that only Christ satisfies. And, and notice that, that Christ satisfies, notice this phrase, without price. If you're a Bible underliner, underline that. Aren't you glad that that phrase is in there? Without price. Salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life. It doesn't cost you. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift of God's grace. But you must come. The Bible says you must come. You must Come to Christ. Notice it doesn't say you must come to the church. The church can't save you. Notice that it doesn't say you must come to an elder or a pastor. No human being can save you. Maybe you've spent your whole life in the church, but you've never come to Christ. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you've never come to Christ. Maybe you went to a Christian school, but you've never come to Christ. Maybe you have a Christian bumper sticker on your car, but you've never come to Christ. Maybe you know all the Christian lingo and you can talk the talk, but you've never come to to Christ. You must come to him and you must receive the living water that only he offers. Third, we must take the Bible seriously. We, we live in a day when it seems that more and more scripture isn't taken all that seriously, right? The Bible is laughed at. The Bible is um, seen as an old, out-of-date, out-of-touch book written by a bunch of people hundreds and thousands of years ago. I mean, should I really listen to guys who are fishermen? Should I really listen to a guy like Moses who, who lived almost 4,000 years ago? Should I really listen to a, a fig tree farmer like Amos? These people didn't know what computers were. These people didn't know what electricity was. They had never seen a car. They'd never seen a plane. They'd never used an iPhone. They were never on Facebook or Instagram or certainly not TikTok. That fails, though, to understand that the Bible is not a book written ultimately by men 
The Bible is the very word of God. The Bible is infallible. The Bible is without error. The Bible is authoritative for our lives. And that's why we are to take the contents of the Bible very seriously. That's basically what verse 18 tells us. Notice what it says. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. As we wait for Jesus to return, we are called to take seriously what is in here. Not just what we like, not just what, you know, resonates with us. We are to take the entire contents of God's word seriously. We are to see it as the very word of God. It is to direct our lives. It is to direct our parenting. It is to direct our interpersonal relationships. It is to direct our church. We are to take the Bible seriously. Sunday school classes start today. I want to encourage all of us to see the importance of being trained in the word of God. Parents, I, I want to encourage you to see the importance of having your children and your young people trained in the word of God. We, we know how it goes sometimes in churches. Things start out and everybody shows up. And slowly as the months go on, numbers go down. And I get that. I, I understand that at times that people are out of town or whatever. But this is important. We, we, we don't have Sunday school classes just because, well, we've always done that. And so, hey, let's do it again. We need, all of us need to be trained in the word of God. And so let me encourage us this morning, in light of the fact that one day Jesus will return, we don't know when, we are to take the Bible with the utmost of seriousness. It is his word to us. One final thing. We must rejoice that our eternity is settled. We must rejoice that our eternity is settled. I don't know all the trials that, that you are going through at this moment. But I, but I did say at the beginning of the sermon, I'm sure that there is something that, that each one of us is wrestling with right now. Maybe your life, maybe your future, is, it, it just seems uncertain to you. Maybe you're wrestling with what to do. Maybe, maybe it's health. Maybe it's something the, the doctor has said to you, you know what, it's not going to get any better. You're just going to have to live with this. Maybe, maybe you see yourself just growing older and you feel weary. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're hurting from something. Maybe it's just the burden of, you know, living in this world. But one thing you can know for certain is that your eternity is settled. It's settled. 
And, and, you, and your future may be uncertain in terms of this life, and your health may be uncertain, and your finances may be topsy-turvy, or whatever it is. But you can count on this. Notice verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Isn't that awesome? Christian, the filth of your sin has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. God sees you as spotless. He sees you as, as perfectly clean. He sees you as perfectly righteous as Jesus is righteous. And he says to you this morning, one day, one day, you will enter the new Jerusalem and you will be with me forever. Shouldn't that affect our lives now? Shouldn't that affect how we serve and how we use our gifts and how we use our time now? We're going to talk about that next week as we start a new series on the book of Haggai. It should affect us. It should affect our lives. What a, what a marvelous book this is. There's so much to teach us. There's so much... Uh, comfort and encouragement to give us. We, we live in an uncertain world, but, but God has placed us here, hasn't he? He's determined the time and the place in which we would live. And he's placed us here so that we would, we would serve him, that we would serve one another, that we would serve our world with the gospel. And that we would serve with that, that eternal perspective. And so that we would say, come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until you do, I'm going to give what I cannot keep. Because I know that I will never lose what you have given to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time in your word this morning. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this book that has so much to teach us, so much to encourage us. Lord, as we live in your world, as we go through life, help us to keep the big picture, to know what awaits us. And help us, Lord, to to give of ourselves, our time, our gifts, to serve others, to carry out our callings for your glory. And may we do it with that certain hope and certain knowledge that one day we will be with you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that our hope is in him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let's sing together number 265, number 265, in Christ alone my hope is found. Um, if, if we were to say one thing about the book of Revelation, it is that the only hope we have is Jesus. Jesus is our great Savior. And we only have a certain hope and we only have the promise of eternal life because of him. 
If you've been blessed by this podcast and would like to support this ministry, you can find us at www.goodnewsinadarkworld.com. Thank you for listening.